When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And welcome into the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is February 17th. And Brendan, we are very fortunate to be joined by our guy live from Arizona. He's out at spring training. He is the Cubs beat reporter for allchgo.com. That is none other than Ryan Herrera. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a while since I've been on the the Corey and Brendan related edition of the CHGO podcast, but yeah, we miss you. Nice to be back. Thanks for uh, tweeting out that Nico video, that live BP. I appreciate that. Looking out for me, Ryan. I was uh I was like so I was working but I had my phone next to me, um and I would see and I, I just saw like three or four straight Twitter notifications from Brendan liking or retweeting <laughs> something that had to do with Nico. And I'm yeah, like, you yeah, know how it is. is. You're like my main audience. You're yeah. like my niche is tweeting Nico things so that you can see. I appreciate that. Always looking out for me. In the in the middle of Brendan's workday as well, he takes a, a brief pause to yeah. check in on some. It's my lunch break. Not I'm safe for work. Let's see what content. Ryan is up to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know pitchers and catchers have reported uh, by the sounds of it, and Ryan, you know you can confirm this. Obviously, I think most of the Cubs roster is there, despite uh, the twentieth being the official you know reporting date. But we're getting bullpen videos we're getting bp videos we're getting some some good interviews from all of the players uh so i think like you know we'll talk about some of the specific stuff want to touch on a piece that you wrote that went up at allchgo.com today on cody hoyer um, and some of the other specific goings on in in spring training but just generally just wanted to ask you like you know you you've you've been at spring training before you've been around this club uh for a while now how's the what's the vibe in in around this team well i think and maybe some of it has to do with this being one of like the truly first normal spring in a few years um just with you know the covid affected stuff and then the lockout affected spring training last year um it feels like everyone is really just excited to have that normalcy um like you mentioned Corey, i think at, at the press conference on wednesday jed uh, the president of baseball operations said that there was maybe eight to 10 players that 
hadn't shown up yet on Wednesday, you know, on, on like Tuesday going into Wednesday. And that's, you know, the, that's pitchers and catchers. Like, that's still like four or five days before the rest of the position players even have to report, right? So very clearly, everyone's really excited to be there. Um, it feels like a group. It's it's a little bit new, obviously. The Cubs made a few additions this offseason, um, similar to what happened last season. But it does feel like it's a, it's a group full of quality character guys. I think that's something that, you know, Jed and Carter Hawkins, the general manager, uh, definitely focused on doing. Is I think one of the main things was cultivating that positive culture in the clubhouse, even if, you know, it, the Cubs may not win the World Series this year. I think we're kind of, I don't think anyone's expecting that to happen, but uh, they're definitely creating that kind of culture that leads in that direction, right? The, the culture that's not going to fracture when the, they go on a little bit of an extended losing streak, right? You have a bunch of guys, high character guys that are going to go in and continue to work, that get along well together. Um, and when those things happen, they kind of stick together as a group. That's what it feels like, at least um, getting to know a lot of these new guys. So uh, that's the vibe around spring. Again, everyone excited to be there. It, I guess it was a little cold a few days ago. It's, it's been a little windy out here, um, but it, it feels like it feels normal. Baseball's back. Spring is spring training's here. And I think that's just the vibe is everyone is, is happy to be back in Mesa. No, nobody yeah. expects them to win the World Series. But if Nico and Dansby go back to back on opening day, Brendan certainly will. <laughs> oh, yeah. hundred plus wins. No doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. He can be very easily swayed. Um, 30 seconds. I, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I, I know you, you've, you know, now had the opportunity to hear David Ross speak a little bit and, you know, sort of see him uh, with his new club. And I know the expectations, especially if you're looking at projection systems or power rankings, as, as you know, I know Cody and, and Luke and, and you have discussed throughout the weeks, um, you know, the expectations are modest for this team, right? Is, is one used to word, one word to use for it. Um, but I'm curious, like one thing we've talked about with David Ross is that, as you said, this is kind of the, the first normal spring in a while. And this is also, you know, not maybe not the first normal season for him, but I feel like Brendan and I have talked about it's a chance for him to sort of show his managerial chops more than in years past when he had much worse rosters or was in a 60-game season with no fans or was dealing with a roster that was going to have hugely significant pieces traded at the deadline. Like, what is, what's your sense on, on David Ross and, and how, how he's approaching this season and, you know, maybe if it's any different than any others or the expectations for him as, as we kick off this season here? Yeah, and actually I want to touch on something you said that I think it is really kind of the first normal season for David Ross as manager. You think of, you know, 2020, 60 game season like that's as abnormal as it gets for any manager and that's his first season as manager 2021 you still have the effects of, of the pandemic you still have the cubs that are under those the restrictions because they didn't get to the the necessary threshold the, the vaccination threshold right um and then last year and 2021 you know on the field you obviously lose your core players at the trade deadline um 2022 is, is, is similar you had the lockout short in spring which affected everyone at the beginning of the year and then they trade a, their best bullpen guys at, at, at the trade deadline. And then he has to go about, you know, using the roster in that way. So uh, he hasn't really had a normal year in his first three years as manager. So I would say this is kind of his first actual year to kind of show his jobs as a manager. As far as the expectations go, 
Um, another thing Jed mentioned was bullpen specifically after those trades last year and the job uh, David Ross did to you know, kind of learn how to mix and match with the rest of those guys on the roster, right? They didn't have, you know, once David Robertson left, even though he technically, even though David Ross never named a specific closer, David Ross, David Robertson became kind of the de facto closer, right? He performed well in the ninth inning. So when it came down to that, that was the guy that Rossi liked to bring out of the bullpen. Then that all changed after the trade deadline. So you, you saw David Ross start to get his chops as far as, he not only is he trying to figure out who he what he has out of that bullpen, who could be a long relief guy, who you know who's strictly a one inning guy, who might be that late inning guy, um, but he, he's figuring that out on the fly, right? He doesn't have a spring training at that point to do it. He has two months left in the season to kind of figure that out. And I think you guys could, would agree that um, it was a learning process at the beginning. Like the first few weeks after the trade deadline weren't great for the bullpen, considering how good it had been prior to that. Uh, but I think you saw you saw those guys start to step up, but you also saw David Ross f- sort of figure out where those guys fit and who fit best in what situation. And I think that's one of the things when you look at David Ross and, and being a catcher and, and having worked with a number of pitching staffs obviously helps in that. Um, but I think you, you're starting to see as far as managerial chops go um, that he lear- is learning and, and is starting to – find some success and, and knowledge in how to best utilize what he has in a bullpen. So even though the bullpen is a little, you could say it's a little bit up in the air now, as far as, you know, who's really going to be in it, who's going to be that back end, those back end late inning guys. Uh, I think you're, you're starting, I know David Ross feels confident. And I think any, anyone kind of paying attention feels a little bit of confidence that David Ross uh, is started, you know, is figuring out what he needs to do at, at that part of the, in, in that sense of the game. Ryan, when you're at the fields, I don't know what time you get there, but what does Ross do during these days? I, this is a weird question, but it's something I'm always curious mm-hmm. about what these, like, is he in the pitchers group in the morning? Does he move over to the positional groups in the, the early afternoon? Have you found like a routine that he is encompassing only in the first few days here? What What is, what is he up to on, on, on the field? And from you know, from my point of view, it doesn't seem like he ha- really has a routine. Like it feels like he's just kind of bouncing around, talking to everyone, getting to know everyone, seeing what everyone's up to. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that's just kind of what he does. And I think that goes to his personality. Um, you know, not to keep going back to what Jed talked about on Wednesday, um, but he mentioned how a lot of the guys that ended up you know coming to this team came in part because David Ross was the manager. And they wanted to be around that. You know, they wanted to be around that and, and the, the energy and the the, the nature, the, the stuff he brings to the table. Um, and so I think one of those things is the fact that David Ross is going around. And he's not sticking at one place, only watching bullpens today. Oh, I'm only going to watch batting practice today. He's bouncing around. He's talking to you know everyone that he can. He's seeing what everyone's up to. Uh, I think that plays to his personality, but it's also just a trait that I'm sure every team wants in a manager, a guy that's going to go around. And especially when you have so many new guys in camp, it's like really, really quickly he wants to get acclimated with them, how they work, what makes them tick, um, and how best to kind of utilize this time uh, while they're out in Mesa before the season. 
it seems fast that they're already doing live BP. Like the second day of pitchers and catchers reporting, is that something that's new? Or what's the thought process? Has anyone talked about that specifically? I, they, they, they've, been, they, you know, that's that's been discussed a little bit, and I think the thing is just to kind of hit the ground running. Um, these guys have talked about the fact that you know spring training has sort of evolved, where it's not like they're coming to, they're not coming to Mesa and then getting prepared, right? Like they're have already been preparing all off season. Mark Marcus Stroman might be an extreme example, but he said, yeah, he said yesterday that he he could pitch in like January or December if he had to. That he never really takes a day off, and there's, you know, not everyone is that extreme, but there are most of these guys have been going throughout winter. Like they maybe take a few weeks off, and then they get going. They took, you know, they go on vacation or something, when they come back and get right to work. So they're not waiting till spring training to get started. Um, it is a little different environment, obviously, spring training and facing live hitting and stuff. Um, but I think the main thing is that these guys all feel ready to go. They've built themselves up enough where they were able to hit the ground running and as you said they're throwing live bp on the second day of official you know spring training right so the second day that pitchers and catchers are here technically not every position player even has to be there yet and the pitchers are already throwing uh live bp so um yeah i don't know i haven't been around enough spring trainings to know if this is a normal thing myself um but it feels like a lot of it has to do with the fact that these guys were really working hard over the offseason, not taking too long off, making sure they came into camp ready to just go. I I liked it. I Like you guys said, I, I can't really remember if it's always something they do right away, but when I logged on to Twitter this morning or this afternoon, and like one of the first things you see is Justin Steele pitching to Nico Horner. You're like, okay, I'm like, wow. <laughs> giddy yeah. up. All right. We got the content cooking here. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious, Ryan, um, there's a lot of new faces. Uh, there's some guys with some pretty loud tools. You know, I think of, uh, you know, even for me, like watching Cody Bellinger uh, hit BP or Saya coming into camp, uh, seemingly having hit the weight room. You've got some of these top prospects. Um, you know, I know uh, there was a good interview, uh, I think, on, on Marquee with Kevin Alcantara today. You've got PCA there. I'm curious, just in the early going here, I know it's only been a few days, but is, is anybody kind of like standing out to you? Is anybody kind of having loud BP or making big plays in the field? I, I know it's, you know, loose practice stuff, but um, as you're roving around there, is anybody really kind of capturing everybody's attention in the, in the early going here for any particular reason? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that, I guess, from my point of view that that's happened. I know we've seen... Um, throughout since guys have been here like Kevin like you mentioned Kevin Alcantara he was one that um our buddy Rich uh who's always down there taking pictures was talking about that everyone kind of stopped and looked and then watched Kevin Alcantara's BP that, that had that that so far hasn't happened to me you know it's kind of I'm also in a little bit in the mode where I'm bouncing from the field bouncing over to to the bullpen um but I, I do think I don't think it's like premature to ask that at all but I do think they're they're kind of still getting in the in the groove of things as far as spring training goes, but I'm sure, especially with games starting next, you know, eight days. And this is going out on Friday, eight days from now, right? The 25th is the first game day. Um, you're really going to start seeing guys. That, not saying they haven't hit the ground running yet, but they're they're really going to be in the in the thick of things. And you know, I'm excited. I mean, you know, the catchers had BP yesterday. I'm not. I wasn't exactly sure who took BP today, but. Um, I'm sure 
there there there's going to start being guys that stand out, right? Like I I think back to spring training last year, uh, right after Seiya signed, and he took BP at Sloan Park, and um, you know just seeing the the bombs that he was hitting in batting practice the first day of you know he he, he signs with the Cubs, he does the whole media thing, and then he's on the field hitting home runs like no one you know like effortlessly it looked so. Um, I'm definitely excited to start seeing that. I think we're going to start seeing that here in a couple of days. Um, just guys that, as they get used to being back at spring training, uh, even new guys that are getting used to Mesa and all that stuff, um, guys that are going to start kind of looking pretty good out there. At the bullpen, walk me through what you're seeing. Are there cameras set up next to the guys? Is there, you know one coach per bullpen session how does that work it feels like there's like every coach that could possibly be out there is is there <laughs> um they're they're all in the background watching taking notes critiquing there's cameras set up everywhere um i think they have like the, the track man stuff i want to say is yeah. all over the place like they have every possible thing that you could have out there as far as like catching the spin rates and grip and whatever it is like they have it it's all there um you have like today was about four guys each time going and throwing bullpens um and then it's it's one of those where it's just going you know, you know just how bullpens go they have their specific plans and pitch sequences that they're working on and whatever it is um it, it's a typical bullpen but it's like packed to the brim with people it feels like the one thing i, I did notice today um i tweeted a picture of it was um you know, Marcus Stroman watching Ryan Jensen throw a bullpen. Uh, you know, Ryan Jensen, who mm-hmm. just got added to the 40-man um, this offseason and probably as expected as far as, like, who may be getting a call-up in the near future at, at, when needed. Like, he may be one of the top guys on that list. Um, and you see Marcus Stroman taking a couple minutes and, and critiquing Ryan Jensen's bullpen. He's kind of going through some motions, giving him advice, like, that kind of stuff is, is always kind of cool to see to on my end. It's just Marcus Stroman, and, and he's one of those kind of guys, it, it seems like. But he's taking this young guy under his wing, giving him the advice he needs because when he does come up, um, you, they want him to be ready. And that one, that's what spring training is for. Um, but it, it's just cool to see the, the guys you know that are established big leaguers, right? A guy like Marcus Stroman, been in the league for a long time. He's still going around and, and helping this, this minor league guy just after the 40 man, he's helping him uh, through whatever it is, his delivery or, or the arm motion, whatever it was. Um, he, he's, he's watching and he sees it and he's giving him that kind of advice. I, I just thought that was a cool little thing. Um, just see that kind of player to player interaction in the bullpen. Now, are they doing this in between their bullpens? Are they stopping talking, then throwing more, or is it one guy, they throw 20 pitches that's it. Then they talk. Then they go through what they were seeing, or is it kind of like an iterative process where they talk, throw, talk, throw? It's a little bit of a mixture of them. Uh, I'm sure um, that it, like they're, they're, they they kind of just throw again. They have their set plan for what the bullpen's supposed to be: number of pitches, type of pitches, sequences, all that stuff. Um, but I, I mean, the, the coaches definitely will pause it if they see something um, that it. it I, I don't want to say a name that and be wrong about it, but like you had Drew Smiley again, like Ryan Jensen, Jeremiah Estrada, Manny Rodriguez, like all those guys were throwing bullpens today. 
there there were definitely times where whether it was Tommy or, or Daniel Moskis or maybe CY or anyone else probably sees something, they might want to stop it, give them a little bit of advice or a tip or whatever it is. And then they go like, yeah, it's obviously not going to end there. Um, if whatever, if they don't have any kind of tips to go, I'm sure they'll, they'll let the guys ride too. So um, it's a little mixture of both those things. I like that. Uh, Brendan's line of questioning has kind of a Pat Hughes esque feel to it where you're like That's clearly trying to, we are clearly you, you're trying to create a visual without being there of literally exactly <laughs> every person's movement and how they're spending yeah. their time. I, I, I like it. it um, you know, if you Thank can't you. get out to spring training, uh, Ryan can kind of be our eyes and ears. Um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, about, you know, it's you, you guys t- together as a, as a duo have written some really great stuff. Ryan always writes great stuff. And then, you know, Brendan kind of makes stuff a little worse. But um, you guys have written some really good stuff on the Cubs pitchers. And uh, Tommy Hadovy, I think, spoke with the media on Thursday um, and talked about Jamison Tyone and working remotely with him to develop this this slider, change the grip that everyone was kind of looking at those pictures and, uh, you know, thinking, hey, what is this? Like things like that. Um so I'm just I'm just curious, you know, if you if you know anything about that process, have you seen Tyone out there? Um, and it, it's just such a fascinating thing uh, that a they were able to do this remotely and kind of like work on that stuff, and you know that that's where the state of baseball is that they can do stuff like that without even being together. Um, and also, as you know, Brendan and I have talked about just that you have someone like Tyone who's had success in his career. He's he's uh, you know obviously had some really good stretches uh, when he's been out there. And comes over to a new organization, and Hadavi and his guys, you clearly like right away are like, okay, we've got some ideas. Like, here's what we're gonna do. Here's some new stuff we think can happen here. I'm just just curious about that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did talk to Jamison Tyone today um, about the sweeper slider. I believe you know Tommy talked. Actually, I think it was it, it was before I got here. It was a couple days ago, um, earlier in the week, but. Um, we did talk to Tyone about the, the, yes, the sweeper slider that he's working on developing. Um, he said it wasn't anything that had just happened this offseason. Like he said that um, the idea had been in the back of his mind for a couple of years, um, especially while he was with the Yankees. And, and Brendan can tell you that the Yankees have uh, a reputation for that kind of slider. Um, but he, had, he said it, it had been in the back of his mind for a couple of years. Uh, it's just that when, you know, over the last couple of years, it was, again, the COVID-affected spring training. It was the lockout-shortened spring training where um, he didn't really have the opportunity to kind of focus on that kind of stuff in spring training or even, you know, over the offseason. Now, you know, as you mentioned, as soon as he signed, he's getting he's getting on, you know, the phone or, or whatever with Tommy Hadovy and Daniel Moskis and all the rest of, you know, the whole pitching coaching staff that, is there to help him kind of focus on developing this slider, right? Um, it's not something that he came into spring training and now he's going to start trying to develop it. He's been working on it. Uh, he said he's been working on it all off season and um, he's, you know, doing the, the track man data and, and the video and he's sending all the, you know, all the different data that he has over to, to the pitching coaches to um, get their input on it, to get crit- critiqued on it, to get their advice 
Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, as far as doing it remotely, it's a little weird to say like, oh, they're doing this, you know, they're developing this whole pitch and, you know, he's not in front of the pitching coaches the whole time or all day, but um, they've obviously found a system that helps work or has helped it work this off season while he's been away from um, those coaches. But now that they're in spring training and they're together the entire day like that, I, I am curious to see how quickly that uh, it gets it gets developed. He said that, uh, you know, as far as the slide, a sweeper slider go, um, he's encouraged by what he's seen, both, you know, the eye test, both how it feels and when you look at the, the, the data that's come in. Um, he said he's encouraged by all of it. Um, not obviously at the level where he's – going to be throwing it in games right now. Um, but I, from what he, the, from what he says, it, it feels like he's going to be confident that that will be a pitch in his repertoire um, sooner rather than later. So I, it, yeah, it, it's something that he's been working on all, all off season. Uh, and now that they're all together in the same place that that development could, could truly explode. I, I talked to, or I, you know, I messaged Brendan earlier about it, but um, the way he, it was. It's a new grip that he's trying out with the slider, and it's more of like a two seam type um, grip. You know, the the fingers on the two seamer um, with. So I I don't know how it works. It may, maybe it has seam shifted well, wake or something like yeah. that. Brendan might know, um, yeah. but the way he describes it, even with that new grip, um, that's going to help the the sweeping action a little bit more. So I'm definitely yeah. excited and intrigued to see how that kind of comes about. When I saw that Slack message, I'm like, all right, we got something here. But one question I had for the logic of changing that slider grip, and maybe one thing that you can, you know, talk with Tommy about or Jameson about or, you know, Daniel about is he had low spin efficiency on that slider last year. It was, I'll get the actual number. I think it was the 20th percentile, but he had about league average movement with the pitch. So, it does suggest he has something innate in his mechanics that permit that type of movement, but something higher up, whether it be pitch grip or I don't know, something is is also holding him back, so to speak. So the question I had going into the uh, spring training was, okay, what are they going to do with that slider? And Corey and I talked about this for a few weeks, and it appears as if it is that pitch grip. And for example, let's say he does increase that horizontal movements by you know a couple inches he currently rates on the stuff scale as league average a 50 on the 80 scale if he can bump that up to a 55 on the 80 or a 60 on the 80 while keeping that command then in theory the strikeouts should improve because in theory you're going to get more swings and misses and that would push him over the top from league average to above league average so another question i have is the feel for that pitch because one of his strong suits is command he was able to hit the edges of the strike zone better than 85 percent of the league over the last couple of years that is why he got his contract because he has that top tier command so i'm curious what his feel is for that pitch and if he eventually can be as comfortable throwing that pitch with the same frequencies as, as his pass slider. But specifically, we'll, we'll talk about this, but specifically I'm curious about why he had league average movement with below league average spin efficiency, and that might lead into some of the logic of why he's using this new uh, this pitch grip. 
I like uh, Brendan just dropping in there. Don't worry, Ryan. I'll send you a list of questions. You'll get that from me. <laughs> um, it won't be the first time. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious, Brendan, and then I. I, I want to talk about Ryan's piece on Cody Hoyer and and let him get out of here. He's got work okay. to do. Uh, as you know, he does a lot more serious work than Brendan and I. But uh, just a quick question for you, Brendan, on on something like with Tyone. I know we've seen some stuff like this in the past. Like I remember some in season adjustments from uh, you know pitchers that are still on this staff but when we're talking about changing a grip and developing a, a new pitch or, or changing uh, how you're throwing a particular pitch how how quickly is it realistic for someone to get comfortable with that uh, and and get it to where they want it to be like how much time generally might that take for something like yeah. this for Tyone to go out there and have this be a, a part of his repertoire that he feels comfortable mixing in there well, this is why Ryan and I are such a good team because Ryan can go and ask these questions. I don't have a feel for, for that. Generally, like, generally, when yeah. you've seen this stuff in the past. In the past, Keegan Thompson did it pretty fast, and he was able to do that uh, just in like side sessions. And, and Ryan talked with, with Keegan about this, and Kyle Hendricks was envious of how fast that Keegan developed that slider. So there are some guys like Keegan who can do it. And, and do you recall guys, how fast that was? Months, was like, weeks? What, Ryan, like, what, three weeks, he said, he was able to it do was, that or something like that? I remember uh, actually talking to Daniel Moskis about it yeah. as well, and I think he mentioned that it was within, like, a, it was maybe four or five-star <laughs> period that he yeah. had was, was developed the confidence and the ability to throw it in-game. It was pretty quick. So it's under a month. So, I mean, like, that seems to be on the fast end because on the other side – Hendricks has, has thought about it. Like, Tyone has thought about implementing the sweeper slider. Hendricks has thought about throwing a slider as well. They just haven't gotten around right. to it. And that could just be because they're older guys. They've had their success a certain way. And it's possible that the younger guys who are more malleable because they don't, they don't have that track record of success, they might be able to go about it a little bit faster. So for Tyone, it's, it's a matter of maybe couple more months but he has been working on this pretty exhaustively for a few months so who knows it, okay it's it's hard to predict okay that's fair we're still uh, waiting on hendrix to, to develop his i just needed that's him to be healthy right yeah, there you go um all right that ryan before we we let you get out of here uh you did publish a piece on thursday uh about cody hoyer and his timeline for his potential return and we saw some video uh, of him throwing a bullpen so good to see him out there but uh you know tell us about that piece and what you talked to uh cody about and and just kind of uh the timeline that we're looking at there yeah so you know i think one of the one of the things that was making its rounds on twitter uh was cody hoyer throwing uh, throwing a bullpen you know off the mound yesterday and you know i was curious about it um i know you look back he had tommy john surgery uh early march 2022 um, so going on a year now, he had Tommy John surgery. Um, but in, in, you know, going back and looking at what exactly that entailed, it was, um, this is a, according to Maddie Lee of the Sun Times, it entailed a, uh, a I want to, I don't want to misphrase it, but I want to say like a, a full like reconstruction, maybe, maybe the word of that. It was, it was like a, like a UCL, it was a UCL, um, reconstruction. Uh, and they put, uh, a, a, a I want to say they inserted like a brace in there, an internal brace in the elbow, um, because uh, Cody had said that um, the ligament had kind of torn off the bone, right? Like it was um, bone on bone action. Like it was one of those things where he didn't know 
exactly when it happened. Like there was a long period of time where he just felt pain and then discovered that um, he was kind of feeling bone bone on bone, right? Like that was the pain he was feeling. Um, so all that said, like, I was curious about how the timeline was going. Like was this early as far as like the recovery time? Was he ahead of schedule? Um, I remember talking to him back in uh, in May. He had made a trip up to Wrigley. Um, he had kind of said that they're looking at 15, 16 months recovery. So um, that was going to be about June, July-ish. Uh, and then talking to him again um, on Thursday, uh, basically said that they're still on the same track. Like the, throwing the bullpen, you know, being off the mound, throwing a bullpen is where he's supposed to be at now. Um, I think he said it's been about a month since they uh, started doing that. Um, so he, he's progressing at how they would like, right? It's that 15, 16 month timeline is still kind of where they're at. It's still the schedule. Um, as far as where he goes from here, I know Jed had mentioned at his press conference that they were going to have discussions with Cody about starting the season on the 60 day IL, uh, just again, based on timeline purposes, um, Cody kind of confirmed that, that that's the expectation. He's going to start the season on the 60 day. Um, you know, that doesn't affect his timeline at all between debuting, you know, as he hopes as early as maybe mid-June. Um, but he is hoping that, I think one of, one of the bigger things is that he's hoping to be facing live hitters uh, when extended spring training starts. Like, he, he'll be sticking around when everyone else leaves Mesa, um, and he's hoping to face start facing live hitters around then. So um, that feels like a significant development if it does happen then. Um, and then that's just, you know, another step on the rung, uh, a step on the way to him kind of making his return to the Cubs. Yeah, I love this quote uh, in your piece from Cody. As long as I can help that team win, I'll plug any hole in that bullpen that we have. We'll see how it goes before I get there. I mean, we got a lot of weapons down there. It'll be fun to see how we use them. So uh, definitely go check that out at allchgo.com. Ryan, we will let you go. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Look for him uh, next week when the live shows get going again with Cody and Luke, obviously every day at 1.20. Follow Ryan on Twitter and look for more pieces in addition to uh, the one that went up on Thursday about Cody Hoyer at allchgo.com. Ryan, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. This podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. You can download the app right now. Again, sign up with that code CHGO. Spring training game starts eight days from... We're recording this Thursday eight days from Thursday. That means opening days right around the corner. You can bet those baseball games with DraftKings. Plus new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with Coach CHGO. You can bet those Bulls games too, although it looks pretty dim for uh, the Bulls right now. Seeing a lot of darkness uh, by the CHGO uh, Bulls crew, unfortunately. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
Second break here from our sponsor, Goose Island Beer Company. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. It's been Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. They have the Blackhawks Pale Ale, a limited release. And in fact, the Hawks and Goose Island have been neighbors for over 25 years. There's a Goose Pub in the UC that's been open for almost 10 years. Tap Room is a pregame destination for Hawks fans, and they do lots of charity work between the two, and they have been for many years now. There's also the Bull City 312 Limited Release. It matches the 2022-2023 City Edition uniforms. They also have the 312 Wheatdale, my favorite, and Corey's favorite as well. And they also have a Bourbon County Stout. They have a Beer Hug IPA series, the Green Line, the Matilda. Everyone has their own unique favorite beer from Goose Island. Goose Island's two locations are open and ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation takes at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800 West Fulton or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Goose Island Beer Company. Had a great time, Brendan, at the CHGO Blackhawks takeover last Friday. Was able to go to the Goose Island Pub inside of the United Center. Had a couple of Sophie's, uh, one of their other fine selections. Great time. Great way to pregame for a Hawks game. uh, As our CHGO Blackhawks crew covers you through their rebuild, uh, you know, the, the quality of hockey on the ice is not what we've become accustomed to over the last decade. But Goose Island beer is still good. So, um all right. Well, I, always a pleasure talking to Ryan. Um, and it's, uh, you know, that, that's one of those things too, Brendan, where like, especially for you and I, having been doing a podcast together for so long and starting as, and I mean, I guess we still are, but just two rando Cub fans talking about this team obsessively. It was, it's rather cool to be able to bring in someone who is live at spring training and get all the info that we want and like you have thoughts that you want uh passed to Tommy Hadovy and you're like well let's see if I yeah. can get these to him and get these questions answered so no, it's uh, funny because uh you know I'll be watching the post game when Ryan's at the press conference talking to David Ross I'm like oh that's like Ryan like asking the right. question that we just talked you know about him. five minutes ago <laughs> yeah it's pretty right. there's a sense of pride when I hear Ryan talk to these guys I love it yeah absolutely so um you know not too much, um, you know, it's it's been a pretty peaceful beginning, I think, to spring training for the Cubs, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you got some uh, fireworks. I know Cody was all over this. What We'll call it fireworks from uh, Brewers Camp on Thursday with Corbin Burns kind of pretty openly stating he was pretty peeved about being taken to arbitration over, uh, I think, $750,000 um, and, you know, kind of giving an indication that that relationship is not great, uh, especially for someone who I think I was looking projects as like the best pitcher in the league. Um, so getting into a fight with him for three quarters of a million dollars is probably not the best yeah, idea. It's such a shame, you know? I, it is a shame. Yeah. Really things is. you hate to see, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but 
you know, so I, I, I just say that. We're not going to talk about that. I don't care about the Brewers uh, beyond that. I'm glad that they're apparently having a, a relationship issue there. But I just bring that up to say it, you know, seems peaceful at Cubs camp. We've got a lot of new faces. Saw Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, uh, Cody Bellinger getting out there and, you know, meeting their new teammates. Um, I, I did want to ask you, I talked about this with Luke and Cody when I was in studio earlier this week um, for the live show on YouTube, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you on air about it, but you know, you're, you're getting visuals of Dansby Swanson and mm. Cubs mm. blue. Mm. You got some, uh, not crystal clear video of both sides of the double play on Thursday. I, I think it was, but they are turning double plays. We got glimpses of it. We got some photos of it. Like how you, how you feeling? You a little hot and bothered at work or how, how are you handling all I, of that? Well, I almost got fired today. So, you know, that what that was an issue. I kind of like how they're slowly leaking out that content. Mm-hmm. Like they're keeping the mystique and it will happen. One day I'll wake up or I'll be on my lunch break and I, I will see that high quality double play being turned, the two smiling at each other, giving high fives, you know, walking back, you know, arms over each other's shoulders, like the best friends they are. We will see that eventually, Corey. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Um, so I, I, I did, you know, I obviously, um, you know, really interesting stuff on on Jamison Tyone um, with Ryan and, you know, from Tommy Hadovy. And, and that process is going to be pretty fascinating to follow. What I wanted to ask you about, um, and we, we, we got the original quote from Marcus Stroman while we were live on the air um, on Wednesday when I was in the studio. Um, I'm, it's, it was so recently and I can't remember when it was but well, you're getting it was old, Wednesday you know? um and he 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 had the quote talking about Dansby and Nico saying uh that Sanker's gonna be Sankin that's what he yeah. said and how he said it well, um, I, I listened sure to you say that by the way you know it was uh not the best not the best not impersonation great. so okay. yeah no well I'm not doing an impersonation I'm just trying to read the tweet um <laughs> but then Justin Steele spoke uh, with, I believe, the crew over at Marquee on Thursday and reiterated that quote from Stroh. And he said he's going to, you know, be making his pitches cut and trying to get those ground balls. So when when I read the quote uh, from Stroman on Tuesday, we were talking about the identity of the 2023 Cubs. And I thought the timing was really good because that, to me, kind of summed it up, right? Pitching and defense and kind of building a strategy to that end. And so then hearing Steele talk about this, I, I, I wanted to get your in-depth thoughts as uh, CHGO's resident pitch doctor. Hey. Like, just the idea of catering your pitching, and, and this isn't like a novel concept, right? Like, we, we've seen this before. The Cubs would position Javi Baez at certain positions early in his career because that was where pitchers were going to get ground balls, and that's where you're pitching to. When the shift was allowed, you obviously pitch to the shift, not so that guys are going the other way or whichever way you don't want them to go. But as the Cubs have really prioritized defense here, I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on hearing a couple of these pitchers really leaning into, hey, I got a, I got a vacuum up the middle for ground balls, so I'm going to try to get ground balls. And you and many other people have spoken a lot about how, you know, for the last couple of years, um, the Cubs have not had a big swing and miss staff 
right? Which just uh, reminds me, too, of when you and I were growing up. That was all the Cubs did, right? Yeah. They always led the league in strikeouts as a pitching staff. And, you know, obviously oh, yeah. not the case anymore. Yeah, every um, year. Right, every year. Um, so I'm just, I'm just curious, when you hear those guys talk like that and, you know, kind of like t- tipping their hand in a way, like we are going to try to get hitters to beat the ball into the ground. If I have to throw more of these pitches, I'm going to do it because these guys are going to scoop it up. What do you think when you hear that? Uh, how do you execute a strategy like that? Do the Cubs have a, a full staff of guys that can just transition to, hey, we're just going to try to get as many ground balls as we can? Um, am I overreacting to hearing that? What do you think when you hear stuff like that from Stroman and Justin Steele? I, I'm curious what they what they mean by that. Of course, you can interpret that being, hey, we're going to throw more pitches down in the strike zone and pitch more to contact. I'm skeptical. When Strowman already did this, to be fair, right? He's a ground right. ball guy. And yeah. a lot of the Cubs' current guys do that already. Like even like Adrian Sampson uh, does that. Kyle Hendricks, although he's changed over the years, was a was a weak contact guy. When it comes to steel, when he's talking about maybe throwing more cutters, it's possible he just goes down and in to right-handed batters with more frequency. Uh Ultimately, it's going to be a feel thing for these guys. I think the biggest advantage of having a, a quality defense behind you, in addition to just the value of getting those outs, is the psychological effect on those pitchers. And it's not be—it's not that like, oh, we finally have two guys behind us. It's they're getting outs that can last longer in the games, and they don't have to go 20, 25-plus pitches each and every game uh, per inning. So it's possible that's the true advantage of having two guys behind them for the pitcher specifically. Now, we'll see what happens. Steele has changed his sequencing, his location pretty significantly on like, you know, a bi-monthly basis last season. It's possible that he also finds some trend that he feel, feels comfortable with and he goes with it. Uh, separate from Steele, when you Darvish was on the Cubs. I miss you, by the way. Uh, but when, when he was on the Cubs, he adopted a mindset where he was just going to throw the pitch like down the middle. Like every pitch was like, all right, I'm just going to throw it down the middle and let my movement make the most of it. And that's when you took off as a Cub and never looked back. And part of that, I think, was his stuff was so good, but also was just trusting that if the guys do hit it, it's going to be weak contact. And I bring that up because that was the mentality that got you, Darvish, up from that early Cub tenure slump. And it's the same type of confidence and philosophical uh, mindset that some pitchers, maybe it's not steel specifically, but some younger guys, they feel more comfortable knowing if there's contact, you're going to have the best Cubs middle infield, the best middle infield in general behind you to, to back you up. And at some point, you'll have Bellinger in center field, maybe even have PCA, let's say in August, if PCA goes off, it's it's possible that a lot of these guys do end up having a philosophical change. It will be interesting to follow. Yeah, and also interesting to, you know, something we've obviously followed for some time now uh, to see who they figure out is joining that crew at third base uh, and scooping those balls there because uh, you can have a great middle infield, but if (laughs) uh, you don't have that same quality at third base, it 
you know, are sort you of worried about third base? that plan a little bit. Uh, I mean, I certainly wish they had a more concrete answer, um, but it's I, a lot I, of options, you know, though. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm hoping that partially some of the uh, miscues we saw from Patrick Wisdom last year aren't really something that stick around. Um, he was, you know, pretty solid there in his first year with the Cubs over at third base, um, and then had kind of like a what felt like a David Bodie ish situation at third base where he was muffing routine plays and it was a little odd just given the year we had seen before I I have high hopes for Morell over there if he gets some time over there to really kind of set his feet there and I, mean, I and think know Morell, that that's, once he fixes his arm path and right. shorns up I think he could be one of the best third basemen um, in the league yeah and I mean we're you know still such an, an early stage here um, not really sure exactly how they plan to deploy him or where he's getting his reps every day and stuff like that. I'm assuming they're going to want him to stay somewhat versatile, um, taking reps in the infield and the outfield just to be able to utilize that. But I, I, I think if he gets some solid time there, like you said, to work on that that uh, path from third to first, he just has such a strong arm. He's such an athletic guy. Um, and with someone like Dansby covering the ground that he does, I think that's a good situation for someone like Morel to play next to. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Um, I mean, I thought you, you know, were going to say Nick Magical. That's your guy. Yeah. It's not going to happen, folks. No. Um, I, I, yeah, no. Nope, not going to happen. Okay. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> I threw you off over there. <laughs> it's, it's just not something that I think is a I, productive use of time, I, I, but... L- in my yeah. mind, like that's never going to happen. Like I, I genuinely believe Magical will not play more than like twenty innings at third base next season. There's no way. Not with I, wisdom. Not, not with if Morrell. they're not if the team. Not if the organization is being serious. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't I, have the arm for it. He's I not. Do. He doesn't have the defensive prowess to do it. Especially piggybacking off the conversation we're having. If you have your pitchers talking about, and again, how they go and execute this or what this exactly looks like, you know, if it's just like, hey, we got a sick middle infield, I'm going to get a lot of ground balls. I, I don't know, right? We'll see. But he he just is not going to be good enough at the position. He wasn't good enough at second base for this type of I think it's more like attitude. an emergency situation, you know? Let's yes. say if- and, and again, not to just totally rag on the guy, his contact profile, if he can be healthy and hit the way he did uh, at the end of the season for that, you know, short little sample there, that has value. That is a a useful bench piece and a a very useful bat to have that the Cubs uh, in many seasons past were desperately lacking somebody that could just come in and put the bat on the ball. Whether that happens, whether I believe that's going to happen, separate issues. But one thing I'm sure of is that he is not going to be uh, an average or above average third baseman, which I think Christopher Morell, if you give him the opportunity, can easily hit that height. And I think Patrick Wisdom, if he can chill on some of those miscues, I think the two of them together can probably put together a, a nice little platoon over there. But yeah, I, I was just curious, you know, I mean, obviously Stroman's quote, it'll be on a t-shirt at some point. It, it got everybody's it attention. Is. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, and then just to hear Steele kind of, I, I, again, like whether it's something they, they specifically change how they're doing things or execute remains to be seen, but I do like the confidence. I like hearing them 
the pitching staff talk like that, you know, and knowing like we have this group behind us and we're going to utilize that. The the first thing I was thinking of when you were talking about Marcus Stroman, though, was he is such a good fielder and such a good athlete on the mound. I wonder if he's going to have to kind of like train himself just a little bit <laughs> to, to let the ball it. go. <laughs> yeah. When it's going up the middle, like leave it alone. Like these two got it. Except for third base. You can go get the ones next to third base. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll see. All right. Other break here from our sponsor, Foco Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team. So get it fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side. With hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between, get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze, or it's been cold in Arizona. It's been cold on the West Coast. I don't know what's going on over here, but you can get a hoodie, you know, go to spring training, get one of those Foco hoodies. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below of this episode for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan, uh, wanted to ask you, uh, you know, we, we obviously had Ryan on, but he shared this quote from Nico Horner on Thursday morning, and I wanted your your thoughts on this. Uh, talking about the projections, uh, you know, the Cubs are all aware. Uh, we've heard this from a few guys. They're all aware of, of where the team is being projected. Uh, I think Cliff Floyd on the Marquee Network said, you know, 77 wins in that range, which I think is where they're projected in some circles, uh, is a failure of a season. It is. So, Strong, well, I agree, but a strong <laughs> declaration on the team's network. Um, but that's the weird thing about, you know, them having their own network now is it just feels weird to hear that. And maybe it's not, right? Like they're not censoring the media like that, but it is still just weird to hear it on a network that they own and yeah. all that other stuff. Um, but on the projections, Nico Horner said, quote, it's the game of baseball, right? It's an extremely hard sport to predict, and I think that's what makes it so enjoyable. It makes it fun to follow other teams still. It makes it fun as a fan because I think looking around locker rooms around the league right now, hopefully a lot of people feel like they have a really good chance. That's how it should be. I think we're in a place where we've had a lot of change, and I think trying to predict that is misleading one way or another. I think it's creating that identity for ourselves and just owning whatever that is as a group. I think we have a great starting pitching depth and defense and a lot of accomplished hitters, and that's a really nice place to start. I I, I know, you know, just hearing Nico say pretty much anything, I think he could read the phone book and you would get kind of jacked up about it. Oh, yeah. Um, But I, I do, I don't expect these players to say anything else, right? I'm not naive to think that they're going to come to spring training and say, yeah, I don't think we're that good. Or like, you know, next year is probably the the big year for the Cubs. I don't expect them to say that. I, I do like, though, that you have Dansby and Nico and guys like Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer, you know, really kind of clearly laying out that they're veterans uh, in some cases, and they want to win. Like Dansby is is really adamant that that is what he wants to do and and why he came here. And it, you know, sort of in a way from Dansby sounds a little bit like what John Lester said in his introductory press conference. I thought about that too. 
Yeah, which and and Dansby's quotes throughout this past week have really reminded me of that. Um, and John, in his introductory press conference, said like, "I didn't yeah. come here to do anything but win. I came here to win. Like, I'm not here to collect a paycheck or you know just whatever. Like, I came here to win, and that's what we're gonna do." How how did that end up, by the way? I'm so glad you asked uh, because they did. John Lester did okay. deliver on that promise. Uh, the neck the following season after oh. his first as a Cub, uh, when he and the 2016 Chicago Cubs won the World Series, won, won the World Series. Yeah, yes. correct. Okay. So, yeah. uh, I, I just want your thoughts on you know kind of tying the projections in with the attitude. And like I said, even the worst team in the league, right? The Reds, the Athletics, uh, whoever it is, right? They're all coming in saying the same thing. They all want to win. They're all here to win. We're ready to win. We believe in our group. So I don't expect anything else. But I don't know, just hearing it from these Cubs players, I I like the attitude. I'm li- I'm liking the focus yeah. that we're hearing from these guys. They're saying the right things. And maybe that means nothing, but for me like I I just like what I'm hearing so far. I like the like I gravitate towards those personalities more than like the like the easygoing, relaxed baseball personalities that are also successful. It's not the contrasts one or the other in a bad or good way. For example, like Fowler, easygoing, that was great for that 2016 team. Uh, on the other hand, you had David Ross on that team who was way more serious and way more, you know, hard nosed and, and heavily focused. That's where Dansby Swanson falls in line. And that's where Nico falls in line. And that's why. I don't think, maybe it's just a misinterpret. I don't think fans are ready for the Nico Dasby attitude. Like the on the field performance will be fun, but those two attitudes up the middle are going to be laser focused, like militaristic type focused. And I cannot wait to see that. And John Lester, for you, Corey, you, that's that's why he's your favorite player of all time. Because when he took that ball every fifth day, you knew what you were going to get. It was the most consistent tenure for any Cubs pitcher in our lifetimes. I appreciated that. I will also appreciate the same type of attitude that goes along with consistency that you see from Dansby Swanson. That's probably one of the big reasons why he played 162 games. And I think Nico absolutely encompasses the same attitude. And this team, whereas in 2016, 2017, that era, that was great for that era. Joe Madden led that. It was fun to watch. This is a different tone. This tone is a little bit more focused, a little bit more, um, you know, it's just different, man. I can't I can't put the words to it, but it's going to be defined by Dansby. It's going to be defined by Nico. And it's one reason why I want to get Nico extended. But I, I cannot yeah. wait to see this on a day-to-day basis. I think one thing, too, that I'm hoping, you know, the attitude and just the addition of of some of these players, and we've talked about a lot of their individual skills, but I think even speaking to that mindset, and it ties in with the pitchers expecting the defense behind them to be uh, scooping up balls and excited for that. The last few years of Cubs baseball has been pretty sloppy, Brendan, at times. They've been... Not necessarily always the same issues year to year or even month to month, but uh, they have routinely been near the bottom of base running metrics, outs on the bases, things like that. We've seen them be sloppy 
in the field, uh, just as far as decision making or routes or things like that. And I think looking at this group, especially as you're talking about the attitude from guys like Nico and Dansby in particular, but even bringing over, you know, Eric Hosmer is is not the best defender, right? Um, but he is a veteran. You look at Trey Mancini, someone like Cody Bellinger, who's an elite defender. Um, Saya now having a, a full year under his belt, not being a, a rookie here in, in Major League Baseball anymore. I'm, you know, you you only now have veterans behind the plate, right? Like that's a, a very specific decision that you've made uh, to transition your your catching group into just veterans that are more pitch calling and defensive focused. I'm really hoping that that translates to a cleaner version of baseball, less mistakes, less sloppiness. That's not going to, in and of itself, win them the World Series. But as we've talked about a lot they're not at that point that Jed Hoyer wanted them to be where they're going to blow teams out, right? Which is what he said the great teams do. They blow teams out. They're they're not going to be there offensively. So that means they're they're probably going to play a lot of close games like we saw them do last year and the year before. That stuff matters. And I'm I'm hoping we have to see them all out there and see what this 2023 brand of baseball looks like, but I'm hoping that all of this combines to a cleaner version of Chicago Cubs baseball. Yeah, well, I think we're going to get it. I, I I think it's not just accountability. I think sometimes that gets mixed in where, oh, the Cubs are not accountable. They're just being sloppy and stupid and idiotic. Maybe that's part of it sometimes, but the bulk majority of the time you see that is just the talent's not there. And you see the talent now with Dansby, and you see the talent with Bellinger, and these athletic guys, good base runners, good defenders. The talent is just going to catch up, and then it brings out some of the attitudes that are innate in them. I I can't wait to see it. That, that When I was watching all of Dansby's interviews right when he signed with the Cubs, I did not recognize he was like this. If I knew he was like this, maybe I would have been more... I guess in tune with the idea because at the onset you're 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 kind of convinced. Hey, I want Xander, I want Carlos Correa, and Dansby was always option number four for for a lot of us. Uh, you know, had we known about the attitude, I, I think he would have been in, a little bit more endearing for many Cubs fans and the idea of bringing him over. And I think eventually we're really going to fall in love with this guy. I think it will be very similar to how eventually. Most, if not every Cubs fan, believes that John Lester is like a Cub forever. And for him to do that after making his career as a Red Sox is pretty remarkable. I mean, that's really high expectations to put on Dansby Swanson, but so he's the next um, John Lester. I know what what you mean. Yes, I, I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, you know, look, like I, I think let's not get it twisted, right? Like. I don't. I I think that you and I, and and I think everybody on the CHGO Cubs crew has measured expectations for this group, right? As Ryan said earlier, yeah, like in ninety ninety five like, wins, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a <Right>. hundred, <laughs> right? Um, you know, not 
expecting them to win the World Series. You look at this NL field, and I think one of the bigger challenges, even if you do um, acknowledge that the Cubs have improved and they've lifted their floor, especially at a lot of positions that were really poor for them in 2022, there's some good teams in this National League uh, that you would have to leapfrog over to get into the playoffs or secure one of those wild card spots, et cetera. It's, it's a bit of a gauntlet in the National League at the top. Um, so measured expectations, right? But I, I, I do like the vibe, right? Like, and you know, again, that's not to suggest that I, I don't wish for more from this organization. I wish you and I were talking about how we should be, you know, taking October and, you know, probably early November off of work because they're going to be in the World Series, right? And, you know, we're not talking about that and that's a little disappointing, but I think you can, you can feel that way. You can understand that. And we've talked about all of the organizational thoughts uh, throughout the offseason and offseasons past. And I think you can at the same time still get into this group, right? And and like the vibe of this team so far and, and be excited for the season, uh, even with measured expectations. Yeah, it's it's you can still enjoy watching the team and enjoy watching multiple things can be true yeah the the projections we didn't get into it but the 77 was a little bit lower than my expectation by by pakoda and this they're they're grading the cups pitching as below average and it's not surprising because a lot of the guys in their bullpen don't have that track record of three plus years uh the back end of the rotation same same issues so it's not surprising that they're being rated Below 80 wins, uh, 77 does seem a little bit too low. But this is why, as Nico said, you watch the game, you watch the sport, and sometime you can be a 92-win projected team. But as I always say, one standard deviation away from that is six wins. And so the majority of the teams fall within six wins of their initial projection, which is crazy. So in the Cubs' perspective, even with 77 as their win estimation, you add six wins to that, and they're at 83, and then that that is that is a playoff contender uh, for that last wild card spot. Crazy stuff happens, Corey. Yeah. All right. So I think that is what we got. Uh, when Brendan and I talk to you next, uh, the full squad should be there, uh, inching ever closer to spring training games. Um, you know, and obviously getting ever closer to opening day. Uh, in Chicago and being back at Wrigley Field. And um, as we alluded to before, Dansby and Nico, one way or the other, going back to back and Brendan yep. flipping out and immediately yep. placing a you know World Series bet on the Cubs and all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah. $5,000 on DraftKings, you know. Right. Um, want to, again, thank our guy Ryan Herrera at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera on Twitter for joining us today and giving us the sights and sounds of spring training. You can check out all of his work at allchgo.com. We thank you for supporting the CHGO Cubs podcast. Luke and Cody uh, back with you on Monday, of course, at 1.20 for the live show on YouTube. Brendan and I will talk to you next Friday. Thank you again for listening and supporting. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.